Welcome to another edition of Highland Football Weekly with me, Ian Auld. A massive thank you to everyone who's downloaded this podcast and many of the others over the last couple of months. On this week's episode, a real top guy, Gavin Price, MBE. Of course, if you haven't heard Gavin Price's story over the last couple of months, it really is an incredible story. Based in Aberfeldy, he owns a couple of uh, pubs in the in the town itself, in the village itself, and he has uh, really stepped up to the plate during lockdown, ensuring that locals, including old age pensioners and families, have been fed and, and looked after, basically, during lockdown. A real tremendous story. He is, of course, manager of Elgin City as well. Not only is he doing tremendous work off the park in his local area of Aberfeldy, he's doing great work on the park as well because Elgin City have started the season pretty well and over the last couple of years he's got them in contention for a playoff spot as well. Really good listen. As I said, top guy. I'm sure you'll enjoy this one. Here's Gavin Price. Well, it gives me a great pleasure to welcome on to the podcast Elgin City manager uh, Gavin Price joins me. Gavin, first of all, how are you this evening? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good, Gavin. We we got some good news tonight as we record this podcast only a few hours ago. Um, there's a wee bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Supporters are going to be allowed inside grounds. Uh, if you're in Tier 1, of course, if you're... Uh, region is in Tier 1, which of course Murray is, so hopefully Elgin City will have uh, some supporters in. I know not all supporters will be able to get in, but um, from your own point of view, uh, fantastic news to hear. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. It's been a long time coming. Um, yeah, I've just literally heard that news, I just went the door myself and saw something on Facebook, so yeah, I'll find out tomorrow if we've got fans in for Saturday, Tuesday, it'll be absolutely fantastic and it's it's great being back playing there's, there's no doubt about that but um, you know, I guess all clubs really it's, it's you miss the supporters um, mm-hmm. the buzz of the Saturday with, with the crowd in and, and I'm sure every club in the land's got that, that feeling so it's, it's a real yeah probably see it as a, quite a privilege it could only be the three North teams in the league anyway that, that'll get that you know. You know, hopefully the Highland League will, will, will be able to share that as well. You know, hopefully the rate or this the virus keeps a, a level that, that keeps the area in level one that we can continue to do that. And hopefully, you know, it'll be a, a blueprint for, for to show that, that football can do the supporters on the ground safely and, and, and it can be, you know, good for people's mental state. It gives people something else to do. It's outdoors. It's, you know, I think there's the arguments there that it could have been done you know, from, from the start, you can yeah. easily socially miss, you know, 300 people in, in a big place like Murrayburg. So, yeah, no, it'll be great. Hopefully we can make a success of it and, and, um, and hopefully get some results and supporters are back in. You've had, you had a, you've had a good start to the season as well. Um, in fact, you've had a really good start to the season, um, albeit, you know, the, the trip to Edinburgh didn't end well for you at the weekend. But I, I don't think, I haven't read anywhere that way fans will be allowed in. So, for Borough Briggs, it will be 300 Elgin City supporters as well, which which will be nice for Elgin City supporters. Might give you a wee bit of an extra edge, and, and again, you know, um, you know, hopefully pick up the you know some some extra results in the, into the bargain as well. Well, it's, I mean, it, it can't work. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be a good thing. Um, you know, first and foremost, just for the for the supporters, you know, there's these people of want to raise the club for. Uh, you know, you know, yeah. Days, so it's, 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 it's their club um, and it's you know we've done well with the streaming service that's it, letting us keep in touch with the supporters and, and giving them access to games but it's not like, like they're having them there and, and you know you know how fanatical um, supporters can be and mm-hmm. what the club means to them how important it is and, and um, yeah it's, it's, it's I think it's a it's a great piece of news to, to get them in and it's, it's an, advantage, an advantage for us terms of creating a wee bit more atmosphere um, you know and hopefully getting get the crowd behind you um, is, is another thing so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully take full advantage of that and, and um, hopefully it'll work for us 
throughout lockdown, when I've had guests on the podcast, we've always started by, you know, talking about how lockdowns affected them right at the very start of lockdown. You know, speaking to to players who and managers who were having to keep in touch with their, you know, their their colleagues on Zoom and and doing training sessions in the garden, etc. Yourself, you had a very interesting uh, lockdown, and it's the well, the first time ever on the podcast we've been able to welcome on an MBE. Um, you were rewarded uh, for your day by the Queen a few weeks ago. Uh, talk to us first of all about how much an honour that has been awarded the MBE by the Queen, and also for listeners who might not be aware of of the services and the and the service you ran in Aberfeldy, uh, tell us a little bit about your your efforts during lockdown. Yeah, well, I mean, I I won um, um, a couple of jobs in, in Aberfeldy uh, where I'm from. Um, so when we went into lockdown, we, we just started dispersing or making making meals for the the folk we were isolating out over some days that we were asked to shield. And, um, other people with underlying health issues were we having the shield, so, so just uh, quite innocent, to be honest. Um, you know, we we got the we got meals out, and, and um, you know, I think the first night when we did all the sort of ten homes, mm-hmm. we got the the word out there that we're doing it, but the next night we doubled doubled again the next night. By the end of the week, we were we were doing about hundred hundred different homes. Um, at which point, you know, the whole thing just kind of snowballed. An amazing project that was called Feldy Roof, you know, that take and obviously the property <laughs> thing, which went down quite well, and, and, and lots of other businesses around the area got involved. Um, so we ended up, you know, doing the lunch service with newspaper, and, you know, a soup and a sandwich and that sort of thing, and, and an evening hot meal with that dessert. So, um, yeah, we ended up being about nine, nine different restaurants and pubs in the area that were, were all taking a share of doing the work for that. And um, we started stretching out to all the villages round about Aberfeldy. It's quite, it's quite a remote sort of Aberfeldy area. There's lots of lot of villages and, and these people are isolated. It was a real struggle for them to, you know, to, to get out and about, to, to be able to, to, to you know, without saying too dramatic, without being able to feed themselves. So a real lifeline for, for, for everybody in the whole thing. Just, just exploded, Julie. We ended up delivering 40,000 meals during the, the, whole, the whole period to about 250 to 300 homes. Countless volunteers, about 140 volunteers, I think, we counted at the end. Um, well, we take part, whether that was in, you know, cooking the meals or baking or, or delivering. You know, we had a lot of 15 different delivery routes. So it was quite an operation in the end, mm-hmm. but, but one that was, um, you know, Fantastic to be involved with because it, it all just kind of came together. It wasn't a real hardship or, or anything. We had a great funded team that got together and you know, we raised about 135 grand to, yeah. to fund the project. So it was, it was, it was really, a really, a really good thing. I mean, it, it, it was a lifeline for the residents, but it was also a lifeline for all, us, the volunteers, because as you'll know from speaking to other people, it was, it, it'd be quite mentally. Draining the, the lockdown and, yeah. and uh, keeping yourself occupied. So, this gave a bit of structure to people. And, and it really bonded our community, um, which is another thing. It really made businesses work together and, and formed relationships, different generations. And it's been a real positive thing for, for Aberfeldy in the area. Uh, so, one that I'm really proud of, talking about the MBE, it's um, slightly, slightly I'm embarrassed about it, but, but um, you know. It's, it's really, I feel, I feel something that was a, a real community effort, not an individual thing. So um, I certainly made clear of accepting the MBE. It was, it was on behalf of Arbor Feldy and the Feldy New Project and all the people that were involved in it. This is going to sound really strange because I'm not downplaying the MBE at all, but when I read some quotes about you after the, the news, it almost struck me as like, you know, when a manager wins manager of the, the month or manager of the season, etc., you know, it's always about the, the team effort. And I think, not I'm not saying that the MBE is on a level par with a manager of the month award, but I'm trying to say it's all about, all about the team, isn't it? Uh, no, 100%. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's one person doesn't make a, an operation like that, that's for mm-hmm. sure. And then, yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
it was a real a real team effort which yeah one one that I'm really proud of or proud to be part of it as as, um, as I think most of the people people are. Well, many congratulations. I'm sure uh, the the public of of Aberfeldy are extremely proud of yourself and and the team for for getting that project um, going during a, a very difficult time. Gavin, we're going to talk about your, your playing career and also your managerial career as well because you are, of course, manager of the Black and Whites, Elgin City. Um, take us right back to the start uh, in terms of your, your senior playing career. started out at Forfer uh, in the early 90s, not too far away from, from where you brought up, but um, you, you worked under a, a Dundee United legend in Paul Hegarty. That's right, yes. Um, you know, I came quite late into the game. I didn't have a ground in, a, in any sort of youth academies or, or anything like that. So, you know, being from Aberfeld, it was quite difficult. I played the youth career, sort of Perth teams or whatever, and, and, and that, that happened quite rapidly. Went to four for a 17-year-old in the youth teams at the time and then quickly got into reserves. And, you know, by October, I'd, I'd, I made my first team debut at Capital late morning, um, and and played about about twenty games that, that season in, in the old first division, which is the championship now for yeah. Um Yeah, so it started, it started quite well for me in my career, and then <coughs> and Paul Hegarty was a you know, really good guy to work with, um, and then he, he left at the end of that season, and things sort of didn't go so so great after that for me. You know, probably a lack of confidence and started struggling a little bit. So um, I ended up, I was at university at the time in Edinburgh and then I managed to get a move to, to Meadowbank Thistle, uh, which also became Orminston, um, which was, we played at the Cornwall Stadium in mm-hmm. Edinburgh. So I ended up there um, for another season and a, and a half or so. Um, when I was at university, it was quite handy. I was at university in Edinburgh, so yeah, that was fine there. I worked under uh, Don Park, who's he was another you know really good, good guy to work with. Um, That's two quality uh, coaches, and and Paul Hegarty. I mean, Paul Hegarty yeah. was a a manager in his own right, but he always came across as a very good coach. And also Donald Park that you mentioned. I mean, there's been a lot of guys in the podcast talked about uh, Donald Park he, from. You know, in your early career, worked under two tremendous coaches. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Park was probably was relatively young at the time. You know, mm-hmm. he was actually still playing um, when I started started playing. Um, so he'd been a sort of a start of his managerial career. Was was Park? He was, you know, he was, he was good. His coaching was excellent. Um, really good guy. Um, he, the longevity of a career he's had to show you what a good, what a good coach is. Both of them, to, to be fair. Um, yeah, and, and then it really it took off last, you know, last year at the university. Edel Bank was kind of in and out, in and out, not really setting the, the header on fire, but I was you know, a little bit frustrated, maybe not getting a chance from Donald to the left by then. I think he was the manager then. Um, so, I got a transfer to, to, to Brecon City um, and I worked under a guy called John Young who's, who's part of the, the coaching team at, at our both now with Campbell um, yeah, and that's really where my football career first started properly I think uh, did well at Brecon only had about nine months there but um, you know I did, I did well um, scored a few goals and Lots of rules, but I was starting to, to sort of fill out a wee bit and get a bit stronger. And the physical side of my game was, was, was starting to, to take effect, so that it was a, a, a good season I had there and, and created a little bit of interest from, from teams that, that summer. Um, and you know, I'd, I'd been in actually, how it happened was probably one of the strangest transfers. At that time, I'd been in pre season with St Johnson, who were a to, to sign him with them. Um, and I, I was playing a, a friendly, pre season friendly for him. Um, and there was a, a scout over from, from, from Holland. Um, mm-hmm. There were a, a, another striker from St Johnson, a guy, Ian Ferguson, I think it was. I don't know if you, you remember him. Was that, the, was that the one that played for Hearts or the other one? Yeah, the one that for Hearts against Bayern Munich scored that famous goal aye yeah yeah um, and 
and that caught the eye of the game. Um, so I did in Hagen in Holland. So I ended up going out, out there, um, you know, for they took us over for a week to, to start with. And it's just one of the, you know, seeing football, it's, um, a lot of times it's, it's fine margins where you get your breaks and, and you get a little bit of luck and I certainly kind of, kind of got mine I went over in the, in the two games and, um, you know, the first one I remember like about 15 minutes into the, into the game the, the ball's kind of <laughs> coming from the right and so it's bounced off, of the, bounced off my eye I think it was and they ended up going right at the stance in the top corner and everybody's kind of looking shocked like a bullet that went on <laughs> and it just hit me <laughs> um, and everybody's kind of looking around going what, what is this what we've found here it looked quite impressive and, and to be fair I done alright and I just scored another goal in the game and, and then the, the second game I scored, I scored another three so it was I managed to do, do enough to get a move so I got the transfer that summer from Brooklyn City to, to Adodenhag in, in the Dutch League, so it was quite a, <laughs> it was quite a, quite a transfer. A, a, a wee boy from Aberfeldy that, um, yeah, it, it just really just finding his feet in the game, and, and, and all of a sudden I'm getting quite a, a high profile move, so it was, it was um, had to learn quite fast, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and work it out quite fast because it was quite a culture shock going out there not just in terms of language or yeah. just the style of ball and, and, and what happened but it was a challenge that I really relished it was, it was a fantastic time you know three years of my, my life when I was out, out there in the first instance it was it was, was, was great uh, good friends I've, I've still got to this day and, you know when the football went well the sports took to me because I probably the Scottish style mm-hmm. you know a bit of a battering ram at that point, which seen was technically gifted, certainly not as the, the Dutch players I was playing with, but um, I was aggressive and, and, and put myself right about, you know, won my fair share in the air and, and scored goals, thankfully, until in the beginning. So, um, yeah, I had, had good seasons there. I was top scorer at the club both the seasons. And, um, yeah, I had, had a really good time and, and fantastic memories. That's a kind of pivotal point of your life, I suppose, because you finish university and then you mentioned there the St Johnston trial, the potential there of a, you know of a full time offer, you know, going full time in Scotland. A, a big a big turning point then going in and experiencing, you know, as you say, a, a culture shock in, in European football. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I was just finished university like you say, I was 20, 21 year old. Um so, you know, really in a crossroads of my life anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and I just had a break and it was you know it was looking likely that I was that I was gonna get a full time deal. That was the, the aim. So you know, I did make the decision that's you know definitely what I wanted to aim for. Um, you know, finish my degree which I was intended to do regardless of what was going on and, and I thought, you know, we'll certainly give it a go for a few years in, in, in the professional game and see what see what it takes me. So so yeah, but in terms of that it gave me the opportunity to go full time. Um the fact that it was in Holland was, yeah, just uh, something I really grasped. And, and, you know, um, I grasped it with two hands. Really, it was an ex- a life experience. You know, I was I was keen to try it, um, and you know, never look back in terms of you know, I'm really glad I did because, like I say, I think I've learned so much from. You know, I ended up having two periods out in Holland, mm-hmm. and then. And, you know, the things I've learned out there, and I think if I've stayed in, in good stead now, you know, talking about my managerial career later on, it's, it's really helped in that regard, but it, it made me learn the game really, really quickly. Well, in the last couple of weeks, we've spoke to a couple of guys, Craig Brewster spent some time out in Greece, uh, Richard Hastings went to Holland, and also Austria as well, both junctions in their career where they wanted to try something new, something different. You're, you know, slightly different, you're, 21 years of old, 21 years old even, no qualms about, you know, going and, and embracing that um, that different lifestyle, um, I suppose maybe the, the younger the better, but, but certainly, is there any nerves uh, around that, that move to, to Adel and Hag? No, I, th- I think I was, I was quite, I was confident at the time, but I was, I was setting up for any challenge, and, you know, I was probably, physically I was, I was, I was really, to the top of 
of where I could be, you know, I, I, I'd worked really hard at my game, really, really, really hard in terms of my fitness and my upper body strength, and, you know, I had done for the last couple of years. And it was, it's true what I say, I say that players now, it's, you know, you'll, you'll get out of the game what you put into it, it's simple as that, because if I hadn't done that, there's no no way I would have been ever in that position. It gave me an edge of people because I, I was prepared to put, put the extra work in. Um, and, you know, and, and that's the same for any player now, the same for any player, it's always been the more you put into the game, the, the more you'll get out of it. So yeah, yeah, Holland was, it was a no-brainer that I was going to try it, I wasn't no qualms about it and, and I just embraced it, I learned the language, you mm-hmm. know, it's quick good because it was, although everybody spoke fantastic English, of course, it was, mm-hmm. you know, TikTok, everything was done in Dutch, so it was, it was keen, to, keen to learn the language and I, I really settled in, you know, in dressing room quite quickly, like I say, it was, um, you know, I got involved in everything, <laughs> put it that way, I was, I was on my own there, I was, I, I got involved in everything I could. At the time, there was a lot of foreign imports coming to Scotland, to England. The the Bosman ruling, the mid you know mid nineties was was taking to full effect. It wasn't it wasn't so common for uh, Scots to go and play in, in different leagues at that time. There are a, a few examples, and even even current day, there aren't many. You know, the, there's obviously you know Aaron Hickey and Liam Henderson, for example, in Italy at the moment. But there's not a, a massive amount of Scots playing abroad, uh, and and that's the same for Brits as well. How was the reaction? You said there, you know, you made some some great friends and, and great teammates over there. How was the initial reactions from the, the dressing room to, you know, a, a Scottish lad from Aberfeld arriving? Well, it's I guess it's the same as anybody from foreign. You couldn't have foreign come or foreigners coming to dressing rooms here. You, you've got you've got to prove yourself, and you can prove yourself in different ways. And, and you know, it's I think first and foremost you've got to prove it to your teammates. That, so you know, my qualities wasn't what, what what they had, they were all very technically um, gifted, you know, they were t- control passes of the ball, but you know, I had my aggression and a, um, a bit of power and whatever and, and, and so, you know, that's what I've been brought for, so that, that that's what I displayed and, mm-hmm. and I certainly improved as a player when I was out there in terms of the technical side of things, but you prove yourself you know, what you're creating and what you're prepared to, to, to and what you're prepared to, to craft for other players and, and work hard and when players see that they, they appreciate that and they maybe they maybe start to see that, that you know you're an honest sort of guy and you, and you, and you need these qualities in, in teams as well as, as as what they had so so I, I like to think that just through hard work and listening and, and whatever I, you know, I managed to ingratiate my, my fellow teammates and Supporters. Now there's a there's a connection here between Scotland too because um, someone who you work with in your spell uh, over at Adon and Hag is Mark Vota who was the SFA performance director for a spell a couple of years ago. Um, how was your experience working with with him and other you know very organised and, and very good coach as well? Aye, very good season there. Um, um, I had Mark and he was pretty hard at the start because I didn't mm-hmm. finish the last season. Um, you know, scored a fair amount of goals, and, and um, uh, but I'd been set off just near the end of the season. And he'd already known he was taking the job by then. I'd been watching, he was watching the game. I got set off, I got a five game suspension, <laughs> uh, so I'd missed that the next season. Um, so he did, um, you know, he'd take my number off me, you know, because he'd all given squad numbers at that point. Mm-hmm. And I'd been the number 10 which was a central striker number so it was, it was kind of I don't know why he was testing me or, or you know, he brought another striker in and he, he let, you know, made it clear that I was his, his, his second striker we tended to just play with one number 10 you know, a central striker in two winners so yeah it was a, it was a difficult start he, 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 but I don't know if it was a bit he knew my character and he, he knew how to, how to kind of push me. I ended up having a really good relationship with Mark. Mm-hmm. You know, and that forced my way back at the team. And I tended to, to be quite determined. I think he quite liked that. We um, ended up having quite a, a strong relationship. Indeed, he was, he was at my wedding yeah, a few years ago when I was, was back in. But he was working out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw him, you know, we kept in touch as well. And, and um, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, I'm still keeping touch now. 
and I, I learned a lot from him. He was a hard, hard man, um, but he was he was fair. He was. Um, I think the second season, the club finished in the in the playoffs in the league below the area division. What did you? What what's the kind of standout experience or, or memory uh, from your your playing time with with the club? Um, lots really, but I, had, I mean, you know, playing at the it was in the called the Zyder Park at Den Haag and full of fanatical supporters. Mm-hmm. About two fanatical times were a great reputation, um, and, and that was that was tremendous. Um, yeah, but probably you know a few highlights we played actually um, a sort of pre-season cup against Barcelona. It was time with um, a strong Barcelona team which we beat one 0 Likes a few goals, Stoichkov, and and the team, and you know a number of others like Prozenecki, Boy Nadal, Robbie Robson was the manager at the time, so that was that was quite an experience um, playing against against these these guys. But yeah, the, the playoffs were were great. It was great when the balls when we had a, a full stadium there. Um, and probably my last game when Borussia you know, was leaving, um, you know, it was in in the playoffs as well, and. and uh, yeah, I got a great reception when I left. Actually, missed a penalty, um, and I still managed to. You know, they were still saying my name last week after missing it, and, and it was, it was, that was quite a, a really good memory to leave. That my, my time at Adelaide and I always have fantastic memories. And, um, just the, the, the folk in the dressing room that I'll, I'll still, still go and visit to, to this day. So you had a good relationship with the fans as well, because I remember. Well, probably, well, probably then at the same time actually. Um, Paul Lambert was at Borussia Dortmund, and the I think he was only there a year. Won the European Cup, of course, and the, the the Dortmund fans, you know, used to sing his name from the stands, loved him. So, you know, you obviously had that same rapport uh, in Holland as well with uh, Adult and Hag fans as as well. So it was it was it's quite interesting. They must have, like we do as well. You know, we we tend to. You know, lean towards the you know the, the foreign imports, and there's you know cult heroes for every football club that from all over the, the world. Um, so it was interesting you had that same experience too. Yeah, I, I think maybe another thing is you talk about Paul Lambert as well, but I think um, people in Holland and I think abroad, people appreciate you know honest hard work at times, and it's mm-hmm. it's I'm not saying Dutch people don't have that. But uh, I think just with that determination, that uh, you know, I think sports people downplay themselves too much at times and, and can do. But uh, you know, the, the Scots have got a, a mentality um, about them that, that yeah, I found stronger than, than, than other countries. You know, like I said already, technically, yes, they're really, really good. But you know, the, the Scottish people have got. A, a strong mentality and, and a sort of determination about your stealiness about you. But there's a quality as well and that's something that I think was just the kind of thing the supporters really really took to. So yeah, it was it was quite my career where I certainly had the supporters on my side. <laughs> now, Gavin, you're you're back to Scotland after uh, that experience. Um you almost signed for them before you, you left. Um and then you at my right and saying you, you joined St Johnston after uh, and linked up with uh, Paul Sturrock. Paul Sturrock, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, to, to be honest, I had quite a few offers that that year, a few options anyway, to when I was coming back from Holland. And, um, in retrospect, I think I probably made the, the, probably the wrong decision. Um, but you can never say never, you never know what's what's. What, I was always you know, from the area of Aberfeld yeah. as a as a boy. Um yeah, I, I just I just um, I chose to um, I chose to go there so uh, and it didn't really work out for me as as, as how I certainly have hoped it to, to work out and probably if I looked back at St. Johnson had a, a right good side at the time before I finished up my league League Cup final and that either um, and good strikers that you know I, I just couldn't get my way in the team um, yeah, Giorgio Boy or Roddy Grant that were, were ahead of me um, and yeah it was a bit frustrating because you know I was coming back and I was really 
really wanted to, to prove myself in Scotland. Um, you know, coming from Dutch football and, and, and just unfortunately never really really got to grips. So if I'm looking back, it certainly wasn't through a lack of application. You know, mm-hmm. doing sessions and trying to get myself in the team, but um, it just didn't work. And, 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 and you know, possibly I wasn't good enough, and that's the that's the bottom line. Um, at that quite at that sort of elite level, um, I maybe just uh, dropped short, and sometimes you know, yeah, you maybe got to got to accept that. Um, so that was it was quite a, a, a relatively short short time at St Johnston. Just started along for the rest of the season and then signed for Birmingham. You mentioned there are two formidable characters, Roddy Grant and Giorgio Boyle. That St Johnston team had got into the uh, the Premier Division having won the, the, the first division of the championship as it was, or as it's now known rather, as I say, Roddy Grant and Georgia Boyle, two big, big characters. Who else are we talking in that St Johnston team? Is that that we come across um, Jim Weir? Yeah, well, Jim was there. Yeah, that's where we're obviously met Jim. To be fair, we quite close to Jim at that point because we were mm-hmm. both injured at that the season. He'd been a long-term injury and broke my ribs in a, in a game and we sort of trained together. So we got to know Jim, Jim well there, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I had a, a great sight to us at the time, you know, with Nick Dasevich. Okay. Nick Dasevich, yeah. All impressed with guys, Alan Main in the goal. Um, so, that, you know, this Alan Kern and they had a really, really good side. So it was, and I, I was listening to that stuff there as well. Paul Sturrock was obviously an excellent coach. And, you know, you know, I'd learned stuff should have maybe stuck it out more but possibly. Um, but yeah, I wanted to play and, yeah, it's, it's it's probably my one sort of era in the football where you know, maybe say to myself, well, could you have stuck it out and given yourself more a chance? But yeah, it's it's happening. Now you as you mentioned there you, you joined Sterling Albion um, on loan and then permanently. You also have a time uh, a spell back at Brecon as well, uh, and then you're you're also back on your travels again because you're back in Holland, and then you're also in Hong Kong as well. Now you mentioned your your love of Holland. You opened the pub, uh, is that right? Over in Holland as well, in your second your second spin in the country. Yeah, well, you know, kind of Stumbling was for full time. Uh, well, I was there as well. My, my period there. Um, and then I, I, I got a chance to go to Hong Kong, which I did for a bit, but I'd been really suffering with ended up being a double hernia operation, but kind of played through injury for a good sort of nine months or whatever. And, and the, my time out in Hong Kong was a bit of a, a, bit of a, disaster, a, bit of a disaster, but it was, it was um, I couldn't play much, um, so I ended up just going back early. I actually played for a bit in Oaks and I'm down in the conference in, in England. And, mm-hmm. uh, operation that's kind of where I was at the time and um, so I, I managed to get my, my, my hernias the hernia operation done and, and and then kind of considered my next move and I thought my next move would well, obviously did offers to play out in Holland again um, in the you know in the, in the second division um, which was kind of semi between three afternoons a week and and you know most of the guys had jobs as well so um, I had the option I'd obviously knew the area and there was an Irish pub for sale that, that I used to frequent from time to time um, <laughs> my first period out there so yeah I thought you know to put my university degree to, to something I kind of made the decision at that point that you know full time I'd, I'd given it a bash and um, you know that maybe I was 26, 26 year old, I thought, well, it's time I did to, um, you know, I'm never going to probably make it to the top level in the game, um, so let's, you know, think about a career after football, and we thought well, it was a good combination to get back out to Holland, you know, playing at a good level, um, but also, you know, starting a well, sort of business, which, which I did, and um, that's how I got in the pubs. <laughs> Yes, and obviously that, that, that first pub um, was the first of many, as you, as you mentioned right at the start. You're obviously, you have a couple down in Aberfeldy as well. Um, you, you, you go into the coaching side of things a couple of years down the line as well. Now, it's interesting, we've mentioned a lot of, you know, big managers 
that you've worked under, coaches, Paul Hegarty, Donald Park, Mark Vota, Paul Sturrock, etc. Um, was that always something that was on the agenda? Um, you mentioned that obviously, you know, life after football, moving into the, 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 the pub game. But coaching, was that always something that was on the on the, on the cards? De- definitely. Um, I mean, my last season at Stirling, before I went back to Holland, I'd already done a B licence. I was relatively young. Okay. So I was already considering, you know, something after that. I was really interested in, in, in the game, really interested in, you know, I learned so much from the way the Dutch looked at the game and, and you know, I, I felt I got more information when I was I was there about if I was a player, what, you know, what to do with the ball, what, you know, without the ball, where you should be, where you should be pressing the ball, the stuff that gets talked about in Scotland now a lot. Games, but didn't so much. I didn't find it at that stage of my career. So I learned a lot out there. You know, so I did a, a bit of coaching for the youth teams when I went back to Holland. Um, and it's, it's, you know, they, they really do look at the, the game. Maybe overly so at times. You know, they're big talkers, the Dutch. Um, but they, you know, they really think they can debate and discuss football for hours and hours and an end. Um, so it's it's. Um, it was quite a, a good learning thing. So you know, with people I worked, worked out there as well, and you know, they would let me get involved in a lot of the sort of coaching side of things. You know, when I was reaching my late twenties, early thirties, and you know, I was I was sort of doing helping with the sort of you know the under 18s and, and that sort of thing. And yeah, it's when I kind of started getting my my teeth into, the, into that side of the game. Now you you obviously have. Spells in, in junior is it junior setups then in Perthshire? Is that the right mass? Is that the right terminology? Or is it amateur setup? What was the the juniors, well, isn't it? I, I, when I came back to, to Scotland, um, I just um, you know I came back, back full circle and, and I was intending to do that. I was playing for the last sort of year or so at, the, at my, my hometown team at, at Bedalbin, and I just bought my first pub back in, in, in Aberfeldy, so mm-hmm. you know after the season so I thought I'd, I'd always wanted to do that I'd start as a boy I'd, I'd finish and then you know I managed the team there for a little while and then ended up going to Camilo and managing a couple of junior teams in, in Perth um, and then my sort of mid-30s to late 30s and still playing a little bit as a player manager but not much um, I found that quite a difficult ask to to, to, to try and play play ad manager for so a lot of cameras as a manager than I, I do as a player combining that I think quite difficult um, so yeah so, so did that got into, into that side of the game which I really enjoyed um, properly managing and yeah did, did, did quite well at both clubs and it wasn't long before your old friend as I mentioned earlier on you met Jim Weir Jim Weir gets appointed Elgin City manager in 2014 and he gives you the shout to well ask you to become his assistant manager at Borough Briggs again um, a no-brainer yeah I mean it was it came pretty out of the blue um, but you know when I spoke to Jim about it he'd got the job yeah he sold the sold the sold the job to me sort of thing and then and, and, um, yeah, and it was starting to have a, a really good, good time with Jim. Um, spent a lot of hours together over these next three years, um, <laughs> travelling up and down the road. Um, and, you know, it certainly bonded our, our relationship. We were already good friends before it, but, you know, it's, it's um, you, can't, you can't help to get to know somebody inside out spending that much time with them. Yeah, we had a really good time. We always still speak pretty much every day. It's now on the phone. Uh-huh. You know, we've, we've not been together for the last three years, but um, yeah, he's also been go to for advice or um, bend his ear about something. And um, you know, he's been great to me, Jim. Great, great for me. I've learned a lot from him as well. Um, an excellent manager, um, and he can he can help, but to, to to get things off him. But in your in your own terms of your own coaching career you know, managing uh, junior clubs, making that step up to become assistant manager. We all know, of course, you, you make the move to, to manager shortly after, but 
you know, moving up to assistant manager as a club in your senior setups. Again, that's something that you, you know, you wanted to go and to go and prove yourself to go and take take that challenge on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I not long before I got the other job, but actually been interviewed for the Stirling Albion job. Okay. Uh, yeah, as, as manager, um, and, and got it. Guys, Stuart McLaren got the mm-hmm. got the job. Um, so it was certainly something I'd, I'd my eye on. I'd, I'd done my license by this point. And, um, you know, I was. You know, I was hoping I, I, I thought I had something to offer. Um, you know, through through my experiences in Holland, mainly that, that you know I, I felt like it gave us it gave us something different. I guess you know, but, uh, maybe a different understanding of, of, of how to get messages across to the players and to, to how to prepare a, a team tactic for games and whatever. So yeah, it was something I was really keen to do. I was enjoying being my manager. Um, you know, I suppose it's the same as anything. You, you want to go and then do that at the highest level you can. You came into Elgin City in the December of uh, 2014-15 and the first, your first full season, you're selling gym. 2015-16, Elgin City finished second. Now, Elgin City have always, can, always been in the ball, well, certainly in the last couple of years anyway, always there or thereabouts, playoff-wise. To get that playoff spot was a, was a big bonus, but ultimately... You know, disappointing to lose, but when you analyse that season 15, 15 16 to get second place and get playoffs, it was a tremendous season in the end. Well, when you think where they were when they took over, mm-hmm. you know, they were the route the week, um, you know, and three of worries about, about going out of the league. Or, so, you know, it's the first season, you know, we managed to, 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 get, to get us out of that position. Then. Really turn it around the next season, but there was a lot of good players at the club then. That was, um, you know, jumped on really well to, to get that. So I think it's not just the, the mentality of it to get them thinking about winning games again and, and not drifting. Um, and I think that's at times been the been the, the hard ask here is, is to get people believing that they, they can compete at that level, the North Face players. And, and, and um, because they can, there's some, you know, really, really good players that we've worked with up in Elgin um, over the years that, that, you know, people play at a higher level mm-hmm. that could certainly, you know, be dominant players in, in the leagues they're in. And, and, you know, although I think they think over the last few years they've started to show that. The, um, well, well, three players actually, to bring up to, to current day, it was interesting, I was watching... Um, Highlights of Greenock Morton. Um, I think Lewis Strap was starring for them at the weekend, and I remember when he was at Elgin. And then you've got Aben Omar now at, at, at Greenock Morton as well. Of course, Shane Sutherland's now at Cali Thistle as well. Three guys that have, in most recent times, played for Elgin uh, and gone on to bigger things as well. So there's definitely the you know the players that Elgin have had over the last couple of years has been, um, and the success they've gone on to have after leaving Elgin City has been been pretty incredible too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of Good players, and these three you mentioned, and Shane obviously had three or four times at the, mm-hmm. the club. And, and, well, and, you know, Shane's obviously, um, you know, proved himself at a level. And, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, the season he, he got injured, he was he was really flying. Um, you know, then it took him a wee bit of time to recover, but he started getting back to his best, which we earned his move to Inverness. So, um, but he always had that ability. But I think you know, with Jim in the first instance, you know, started to get him to, to get more out of his game again, and, and then I, I think he, you know, he's he's now probably played at the level that he, he should have been in all his career. For 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 being honest, um, yeah, first level, you've got other guys in the club like Brian Cameron. That, of course, yeah. You know, that I think for me, could easily of of be playing top level football in, in Scotland all those days but you know he's he's, he's made, made decisions in his life that you know he's got a good job outside of football and, mm-hmm. and it suits him to, to be at that part time level and be enjoying his football for his local team and, and you've got to respect that as well but Brian's a very Rolls Royce of a, of a player um, and has been for the six years that I've been at the club he's, he's been outstanding Jim Weir leaves the club October 2017 and it was actually quite <clears throat> Quite a change, I suppose, for the club because the last number of managers the club had 
all left under, you know, probably circumstances that they wouldn't want to have left in in terms of, you know, performances on the field. But but Jim was leaving on a, a high, you know, he was poached by uh, a club in, in Forfar um, because they, they saw him do well at, at Borough Briggs rather than the other way about. Did, was there any thoughts about, about joining Jim at Forfar? Was that something that, you, had, you know, you had, that, you had a lot of conversations with, with Jim travelled together? Was that something that you'd... You'd spoke to Jim about travelling to Forfar, or you know, were you keen on on, on taking the, the job on Elgin on a on a kind of permanent basis? Oh, I had a lot of soul search over that period. I, I was originally going with Jim to, to Forfar. Okay. Um, oh, he, he's quite adamant that he, you know when he, he accepted the job, he was only doing it if, if I was coming. Um, we, we had a um, the week Jim left there was, a, there was a week break but we were in the Challenge Cup still so we had a trip down to Wales mm-hmm. uh, to play TNS um, so you know obviously we had a great relationship with, with Graham Tatters and, and the board at Elgin and, you know I didn't want to leave them in the lunch for, for that and I thought well you know Forfa didn't have a game that week weekend so I would, I would take the team um, and let Jim go down to Forfa and then uh, and take the training there, and I'd already been up to Forth for, for, for um, to, to meet the players, to meet the um, the board there. But you know, I just went down to Wales. And, <laughs> yeah, it was obviously we went down for a two-day trip, so we had the, um, you know the game and all the, the players go out for a, a drink after the game, and, and um, we did likewise with the directors and the rest of history. <laughs> <laughs> So that uh, that trip to Wales managed to um, convince yeah, you. No, it, was, it was always something that was. I, I personally, you know, didn't want to leave Elgin anyway. It was, it was, you know, that I, I really had a kind of good relationship with the club, but mm-hmm. I felt home. Uh, really, really enjoyed it, and that's it. Now, obviously, it was, and it was quite. I got mentioned time, you know, it took a long time. Eh? To make up my mind, a lot of phone calls, and it was actually Jim that helped me in the end. He was, he was really good. To, he said, "Look, if you've got doubt, if you've got something, you knew, knew I wanted to be a manager at some point." He said, "He said that you have to do it. Um, that's clearly what you, you want to do, and I'm not one to be the person that stops you do it." So, um, yeah. So then I agreed to take over at Elgin. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm really glad I did because um, I've fantastic few years. So. The the key word there that you just mentioned there, it feels feels like home. It was funny. I was very kindly invited to the the club, uh, not last season, the season before, to to hospitality, and um, myself, my wife went along, and my wife still talks about the experience at Borough Briggs. You were just treated um, incredibly well. I mean, everyone. It was just a fantastic day out. Um, and and really, we were always we were always uh, really grateful for the club for that. But what what struck me about about visiting the club and and speaking to you know the directors and 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 diamonds like Cecil Jack behind the scenes as well is, you know, um, it's a really really good, um, honest kind of family club. You know, it's a really well run club. You know, community all the kind of the, the aspects that. That people like that local community feel, um, and and you you know look at uh, you feel and, and look like you're you know you're at home there you you're enjoying that you know, aspect of it. Well, it's it's trust. It's it's, it's a everything you've said there is is absolutely spot on. Um, you know they're a fantastic club to, to work for. Um, you know the staff and the, and the you know the, the directors. Um, you know, I've got really, really good relationships with them, um, and it's you know it gives you that kind of comfort. It's, it's you know don't feel the pressure. I had one of the seasons I had, we went through a, a bad spell, mm-hmm. and like it, you, you, you're always you know it's a results business. And, but it, it didn't bother putting me under any, any sort of pressure. And it trusted me to get through it. Seeing that I was you know we were working the right way, we were progress and they give you that trust that it's hopefully you know that I repaid and, and, and that's and that, you know you've got that kind of relationship the grass is not always greener you know I had the, the chance to move last year but you know, came in for, 
for me, it, was, it, didn't, it didn't take a lot of, of, of deciding. You know, I spoke to Brecon, but it was, it, was, um, it was quite a quick um, decision that I made to stay at Elgin. And again, glad I did. Was because I think, you know, that sort of honesty and relationship and all the things you talked about there, about the family feel, and um, the grass is not always greener. And on the other side, it's, it's, a, it's a great club to be, to be with. And, and then you shouldn't take that lightly because I've worked at other part-time teams before. And, um, yeah, it's um, it's one that that, 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 that you know should be pr- pr- proud of where they are and how well done they are. How well they look after. They talk about the hospitality and the mm-hmm. facilities that are there. It really is a a club, and, and, and probably you know it's a sleep giant. But I would I would say that you know the potential of you know. Of, in the last season, if we were heading towards the playoffs, this game towards the end of the season, you know, Melbourne City would be bringing, you know, four figures to, to their home games, which, you know, not many other part-time clubs could could say that they could do that. So, you know, they're, they're a well-supported club as well. So it's, you know, it's one now that I feel I've got unfinished business. You know, I want to, want to try and do, do well here, you know, for the supporters and for, for the, the board of directors. It was interesting, I was looking at uh, last season, um, because again, last season was a was a good season for the club, albeit halted in in March when you know everything kicked off. Now I know there's there's obviously a lot more um, important things, or there were more important things on the go at the time than, than football, and there was a lot of negative come on the back of the you know the the Scottish game ending and all the disputes and Borough Rangers and Celtic Hearts um, Hearts. Stranraer, Paddock Thistle were all affected, but every club had their own kind of. Um, every club were affected in a way. I mean, I looked at the league table. Elgin City f- finished third in last season. Now, have the season continued? You know, you would fancy your chances to make the playoffs. So, you know, as again, listen again. There's more important things going on, but harsh in the way that, that last season ended for you. Yeah, I think straight for for everybody. It was. It was um... I think it was just the head of steam that we were building up, and I'd seen it happen because I thought the first half of the season last year, some great results in the cups, and mm-hmm. and uh, we were fritting away points that we, we didn't need to. I thought we were playing well, plus so many last minute goals, and it cost us probably about ten points in the first half of the season. So I, I always felt we were underachieving in the league, or if we, if we, if we got out together, we would do well, and so it happened. So seven of the last nine games we'd won them, um, and and we were in a really really strong position. We were playing well, confidence. You know, we defined ourselves going into the playoffs. I think if we, if we got there, um, but that's that's finished now. With you know the frustration of to to go in and just try and make sure that we that we do the same this season, um, which is why you know during lockdown, I was quite determined that we. That we keep the squad together mm-hmm. um, because I think I suppose like there that you know we kind of knew each other. We, we the buildness are all quite a good age. The, the squad they're all kind of in their mid twenties. That sort of age of starting to mix a wee bit of experience with you know um, a wee bit more experience in their game. They all together for each other's strengths, weaknesses, whatever. So we were really determined to, to, to keep that that same team together. And we did by and large, you know, we obviously we lost like, the guys you talked about, Rabin and Shane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of the squad we, we kept together, we've only made three changes to that, uh, bringing guys in. So that continuity has been, been really important. I think it's probably why we've, we've managed to start the season quite well. I think when you look at your, your, your right, I think building the squad, if you look through the kind of spine, Thomas McHale's, you know, transformed into this, this number one. Uh, for you, um, you've got you know guys like Stephen Bronski at the heart of the defence there. Matty Cooper, he's been at the club for years. You mentioned Brian Cameron, I mean he has been a, a standout for for seasons for Elgin. Russell Dingwall's come onto a game in the middle of the park as well, and and Kane Hester scoring goals up top for you as well. So, you know you you, you do look like you're kind of building the you know a, a squad, a team if you like for to to try and you know go and get success. Yeah, well, like you say, we 
got away with what we want to play. We've got players that can play in these positions. I'm sure we've got a good, you know, 60 players that, you know, 16, 20, you know, we've got a squad that, you know, we're not really weak in the team if we make changes. So it's, it's um, you know, there's a good balance to it. There's, um, there's that continuity. There's guys that, that have played now with each other for two, three seasons, so on. And, um, and that's why, you know, I think they all kind of felt frustrated themselves that the season came at an end last year because they, they felt good, they felt as though they were going the right direction. So, you know, that's right from the start of pre-season. We set out that challenge and said, well, what's gone is gone. But what you can do is, is, is go do it again or, and, and go on better, hopefully. So, you know, it's, it's early days in the season, but there's, I've been really encouraged with the way we've started. We, even Saturday there down at Edinburgh the elements kind of ruined the game but mm-hmm. you know on another day we would have been you know the chances we, we missed in the first 20 minutes could have you know seen a different outcome so it's, you know we go down there to Edinburgh it's always difficult and, and you know I, I feel we were, we were very much matched for, for them um, we, we will be up the top end of the table at the end of the season so it's, it's encouraging so far but it's like you say it's just a start I think you're you're right there in terms of Edinburgh being incredibly strong. Queen's Park, right to mention them as well because they've made a lot of investment behind the scenes over the last couple of months as well and, and League Two League Two's always intriguing anyway, but with that uh, you know, Edinburgh and Queen's Park throwing their throwing their weight behind their, their teams will make it even more interesting. But, you know, as we mentioned already, you've made the playoff in the last couple of years, you finished third last year, you'll be hoping to, you know, be there or thereabouts this season as well. Well, we'd like to be I, I think we've got a squad that's capable of, of, of being there and from what I've seen so far this season I, I, I see no reason to change that um, but we've got to do it it's, it's, um, it's all very good talking it but it's, it's, you know, it's just going week by week and getting results and making sure that we, that we can do that but you know I've got confident in the players that we've got and um, yeah we can, we can get a wee bit of luck and, and I see no reason why we, we can't do it. But hopefully, so Gavin, Gavin, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I've watched your your Elgin City teams over the last couple of years, and um, and I wish you all the very, the very best for the, the season ahead. And um, and 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 hopefully we can, um, hopefully we'll, we'll you know hopefully there's no another lockdown on the go. But we know if there is, then you know your your guys at, at Fieldy uh, Fieldy Roo will be able to step up to the mark again. <laughs> Maybe, maybe soon on the hang. Uh, thanks very much for the interview. It's enjoyable. Thank you. No worries, Gavin. Thank you. Well, a massive thanks again to Gavin for sparing his time. A uh, very busy schedule he has, of course, running his own business and training Elgin City twice a week. And, of course, there's a massive game against Ross County tomorrow night in the Betfred League Cup. Massive thanks again for you downloading this podcast. We've got another big guest on the way next week. Former Cali Thistle defender Darren Dodds joins me to chat about his career and time in the Highlands. So don't miss that one too.